0: You're listening to the Eagles Insider Podcast. Now here's your host, Chris McPherson. Hello everyone,
1: and welcome to the Eagles Insider Podcast. I'm joined alongside, as always, the illustrious friend Duffy. Who Hello, guys. is oh, dabbing. Just dabbed. I don't know why it's it's he's dabbing. <laughs> Chris, Stevens, Chris Stevens, our producer, is looting <laughs> at the mere site. A friend of
2: Frank Beamer did it. Urban Meyer did it. Oh, geez. But what do you have to celebrate? It was a two-day weekend.
1: We have a lot to be thankful for, but...
2: That's true. We we have a lot to be thankful for. Yeah. Come back. We have you guys. It's great. Alex Uh, Smith is is here. Alex, I don't know how you follow that one Yeah,
0: that's exactly what I was thinking. I can't can't follow up the dab. That's... (laughs) That was Listen, unbelievable. It's not, a great
2: it's not way video. to start. The I show. mean, it's not video, so I can get away That's with doing it. That's a problem.
1: Yeah, it is an absolute problem. It's actually it's a blessing. You gotta be thankful for that it's not video. <laughs>
2: yes. We, we might have to Snapchat that. Yeah. That was pretty good. That was I mean, it's awesome. not gonna happen again, so it's gonna be tough
0: to snap. Sure,
1: uh, sure, sure.
0: Cam Newton said that if teams didn't want him to dance in the end zone that they shouldn't let him score. So how are we gonna stop you from dabbing? Probably keep you off the podcast? Keep me off the podcast. Yeah,
1: exactly. Also joining uh Chris Stevens behind the scenes, you just heard Brian Thomas, BT. Thank you very much as always. So we're not going to lament too much about what happened on Thanksgiving. Fortunately, we're just going to move on. A big game ahead this weekend against the New England Patriots. I'm not even going to delve so much into the whole NSC East picture that the Eagles are still just one game out of first place. The Eagles just need to take care of their own business at this point and try to rectify what's happened in the last three games. So... On today's podcast, we're going to offer our three and out looking ahead. I'm going to take a big picture approach, but we're also going to look ahead to Sunday's matchup with New England. Alex, what do you have in store for game time this week?
0: I have some trivia in store to see how well you guys know your famous Pats. So get ready for that. Hoping Favorite Pats? Pat? Pats. P-A-T-S.
2: Oh, okay. Nice. Pats. I'll stand by
0: you. <laughs> oh. The name of the game is Standing Pat. Standing Pat. Okay. That's where the sound drop comes from, which I did not choose.
2: Oh, Lord. I was surprised um, he didn't go with a track from Pat Benatar. We'll get there oh, We'll I get think. there later
0: in the game, but I, Pat Benatar did not make the list. All right. Was on the list and got cut. That got axed, huh? Got cut, yes.
1: I'm going to show my lack of knowledge. I thought that was Pat Benatar right oh, now. Oh, there you go.
2: So
0: who is that, BT? Who sings that song? I think that was ACDC. The Pretenders?
2: <laughs> the Pretenders. I'll stand by you. Yeah. I was kidding by ACDC. Oh. By oh. <laughs> I, would have said, I would have said ACDC. But that's, I so. that's why. I, I thought the reason he played it was I was Clearly like, oh. Was C-Mac, C-Mac, we're here.
1: We're yeah. There yeah, you
0: go. Feels Motown, I'd be all on it.
1: All right, so uh, enemy intel. Fran Duffy's looked at the tape and will explain how the Eagles can beat the ten and one New England Patriots. It's unfortunate that they're not undefeated anymore.
2: Correct. We've rather <laughs> seen them when they were eleven to know. and then there was one. That's right, Carolina.
1: And uh, your questions on mailing it in to round out the podcast. But Do, does Chris Stevens look like a genius with this whole Cam Newton thing now? No, no,
2: no, no. Okay. I think it would take a lot for him to look like a genius. Uh, we're getting we're getting off track right, really earlier.
1: I thought this was the Eagles' yes, entire right, podcast. We're getting, off
2: tra- we're getting off track here.
1: Nonetheless, uh, it's time for three and out.
3: One two three. Three, three is a magic number. Three.
0: three. Three. Now it's time for three and out. Unfortunately,
1: the Eagles are also on a three-game losing streak. So hopefully that will be something that will be rectified this Sunday. No, 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 no. So, to start things on three and out here, I'm going to take the big picture approach. And I think the biggest question for me facing this team down the stretch in the final five games of the regular season is how will they deal with adversity? Because quite honestly, this is the first true time that you can say Chip Kelly has dealt with this in his career head coaching career you look back to his teams at Oregon they were all wildly successful won 10 or more games each of his four seasons there the only big question I remember him having was the very first game his head coaching debut against Boise State when LeGarrette Blunt punched the player at the end of the game you know how did he handle that that was kind of like the big thing that he had to face right off the bat and he handled that with a plum and was able to guide the Ducks to success He came to Philadelphia and there was the Riley Cooper incident in 2013 and he relied on the leaders in the locker room to kind of help guide the team through that period of time. They were able to rebound from that. Sure, he got off to a 1-3 and three start as a coach. So he had the three-game losing streak after winning that game on the road Monday Night Football at Washington to open his NFL head coaching career. But the Eagles you know, were able to bounce back, and they won seven of their final eight games in 2013. They really didn't face any adversity last year until it was really too late. They started off 9-3 and three after that Thanksgiving Day win over the Cowboys a year ago. So this is the first time where it's like, look, it's a period of time where this team can go in one of either directions here, where they're four and seven. Yes, they still are technically in the hunt for the NFC East division, but you just wanna see this team fight down the stretch and play with pride and passion more than anything else. And there's all this talk about how Chip brings in these high character guys, he brings in the guys who have good culture. It's time for them to show that. It's time for them to take charge and show that they're not gonna be pleased or not accept the results that they've put out in the last couple of weeks.
2: Yeah, and we—I remember we talked last week. It was after the the loss against Tampa Bay, and we talked about okay, it's a short week going into Detroit how is this locker room going to respond? And obviously it did not go well. Exactly. So now we have the opposite. So now we've got a long break. Now that the players were able to get away for a couple of days, enjoy the holiday, the coaches were able to get away a little bit, spend some time at home with the family. Can everybody get their mind right now? Let's get focused back and see if we can turn this around. You know, I know fans don't necessarily want to hear about it. Still only mathematically very much still involved here in this playoff race. Can they do what needs to happen, you know, to try and get things fixed and, and get things turned around here? That's going to be the big thing, and, and this is where it comes in, where you see it's how can they handle adversity. It's not even just Chip; it's all these players too. You know, you look at Sam Bradford. You know, how can he coming back from injury? How can can he lead this team to an area where a lot of people hope that he was able to, he would have been able to do coming here to Philadelphia? So, it should be an interesting few five weeks here.
0: Yeah, just going back to the uh, talking about the short week really quick. You know, a lot of the coaches and a lot of the players said that. It was a good thing for the Eagles to have that short week after the game because they didn't have time to think about it. They had to turn their attention ahead to Detroit. And I think that mentally it was a good thing. But physically, when you're trying to, you know, you're trying to correct so many mistakes, you're trying to, you know, get healthy and regroup for a football game, you know, two or three days to prepare for the game. Physically, it's just it's got to be really, really taxing. So I think mentally it may have been a good thing that they had that short week. But now that they have, you know, 10 days in between games, hopefully we see guys like Sam Bradford, like you mentioned, we see guys like him start to get healthier and we'll see what they can do against the Patriots.
1: For my estimation, I just feel like that everyone's going to be looking at the defense and how much they've struggled in the last couple of games, giving up 45 points in back-to-back weeks. I partially think that it's going to be huge to get Sam Bradford back, and we're recording this section on Monday, and I know it's still up in the air whether he'll be back or not for the game. But if Sam Bradford returns, I think it'll just make such a big difference from a confidence boost for the defense, because I truly believe that the last couple of weeks the defense you know, saw the offense struggling and probably figured they had to play a virtually perfect game and just were not able to play up to the level that they had to. I think it'll be huge if they can get Bradford back this week just to give this offense a little bit of a jolt and to give the defense, I think, a little more footing that they don't feel like they have to carry the team.
0: Yeah, and the the defense is exactly what I wanted to talk about this week. And a lot of people are saying, what's gone wrong with the defense? What's happened? You don't want to put too much on a rookie like Jordan Hicks and say, oh, Jordan Hicks was the reason that this defense was thriving. You know, the middle of that defense, the inside linebacker position, I think that's such a crucial role on this team in in this 3-4 defense. And, you know, we're seeing Kiko Alonso out there. Is he 100% healthy? He says that he is, but, you know, it's still taking him a little bit of time to, first of all, get back into the game and then to learn things with a new team here in his first year in Philadelphia. Michael Kendricks has been a little bit banged up this year. Same can be said for D'Amico Ryan. So that position, I think there's been a lot of instability there. And I think that's kind of led to, you know, a little bit of some of the struggles here with this defense. But the other thing with the defense is where have the turnovers gone? And if you looked at it a few weeks ago, I think the Eagles led the league three weeks ago. They're still tied or they're fourth in the NFL right now with 21. But I think they had 21, what, three or four? I don't think, th- what have they gone three games without a
1: turnover? Well, well, the the offense got the last turnover. That was against Tampa.
2: Yeah, the fumble recovery yeah. on the opening draft.
1: Miami, there was the safety, but that, that's not a turnover. It's not a turnover. Tampa was the one that the offense got back on the very first drive of the game. Oh, that? that one. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, I forget about that. And then Detroit, no turnover. So the defense has not generated a turnover in three games.
0: At one point, they were averaging, you know, turnovers per game and that's kind of disappeared and and, you know is that all connected to the lack of pass rush up front and it's you know I think there are a lot of questions to be answered and now it's it's a tough task to try to put things together this week against the New England Patriots obviously the the Pats are down some players Um, it looks like Gronk is going to be out I think the last report I saw is that he's going to miss a couple at least a couple of weeks it's a week to week thing with Gronk so you know we'll see what happens there but obviously a really tough opponent for the Eagles to look to get back on track this week but you know some guys especially in in the secondary for the Eagles are going to have to step up uh, with Nolan Carroll going down last week against Detroit.
2: Yeah, and one of those guys is Eric Rowe. I and mean, that's that's what I wanted to talk about. And so there was a good segue there, Alex. I mean, look. We all were very excited to see Eric Rowe in his first extensive action of the season. We, we saw a little bit of a tease against the Jets. He, he saw some uh, some playing time defensively, he came up with the interception in the red zone. A lot of us were very excited to continue to watch him, and we really haven't seen much of him since that game in Week 3. And with Carroll going down, we got to see a lot of him, and I think we're going to see a lot of him moving forward. I'm excited to see that because there was a guy that we were all excited about. We all kind of imagined that at this point in the year, if you had asked us all back in the spring, we would have said, oh, by Week 13, Eric Rowe will be the starter at right corner and now we're going to be able to see that. Is he a full-time corner? Look, some of the media have questioned already and have made sweeping judgments that based off of one game that Eric Rowe is not an NFL corner and Uh I will strongly disagree with that.
1: Oh, Fran's heating up here.
2: Strongly. And to me, look, he might be a safety down the road. Might be. That might be the case. But if you look at this game, I thought that he was really competitive throughout the entire game. I thought that on some of the catches he gave up down the field, he was in pretty good position to defend the ball. The second touchdown he gave up to Calvin Johnson, the one that was the 18-yarder. Unbelievable throw and catch. Unbelievable throw and catch. A lot of people also have questioned, oh, well, how come they were putting him in one-on-one you know, with no safety help over the top? There was only one time when there wasn't safety help over the top, and it was an incompletion. It was slightly overthrown by Stafford, and Rowe was in good position to defend the pass. A lot of the other times, there was Walter Thurman was shaded over to that side, but for one reason or another, got pulled away. He might have been a route that was going his direction. There may have been on the one pass uh, that Rowe actually broke up in the end zone. It was two plays before that touchdown that I alluded to earlier. The tight end was down the seam because Mal- he shook Malcolm Jenkins in the line of scrimmage and Thurman saw the tight end down the seam, felt the need to go there. That was the most dangerous threat in the middle of the field. Stafford had his eyes there, and then he went outside to Calvin Johnson. You know, Phil Davis did a good job, I think, of trying to get help to Eric Rowe. It may not have been obvious watching the tape or watching TV, but when you go back and you look at the tape, you can see, oh, hey, look, they're playing, you know, with a two shell here with safety over the top. It just happened that sometimes, you know, it just didn't seem that way. For one reason or another, that safety got pulled away on a number of those different occasions. But again, and it's some of the things we've talked about in the past, when you do double cover and when you do play with a too high shell, you have to win your one-on-ones elsewhere. And there were a lot of times where, whether it was Theoretic, whether it was Golden Tate, scrambles by Matthew Stafford again you touched on the four-man rush not being able to get home the Eagles have not been able to get a consistent four-man rush over the last couple of games and I, I think that goes hand in hand with turnover issue but overall I think when you look at Eric Rowe where he is right now I'm excited to see how he performs over the final five weeks of the season and then hopefully into the playoffs you get an idea of is he a future corner I think that right now judging off this past week I think he is so I'm excited to see
1: the Eagles defense was having so many problems across the board no question from a defense standpoint, you mentioned Theo Riddick. Yep. You know, the linebackers had trouble with him. Golden Tate was causing problems. It was watching the Lions offense, I was kind of like, that's what I envisioned the Eagles offense looking like. Sure. You, know, you have a big dominant receiver in Calvin Johnson. Your space weapon in Theo Riddick. Obviously, their ground game leaves a little bit to be desired, but nonetheless, Stafford was just slinging the rock all over the place and was on point throughout the course of the game. No question. All right, so that's going to do it for us in our three and out segment. It's now time for the interview.
0: And now it's time for what you've all been waiting
1: for, the interview. So our special guest on this week's edition of the Eagles Inside Podcast, none other than second-year tight end Trey Burton. And uh, Trey, welcome first and foremost Thank to the podcast. Uh, I'm going to show you a video on my phone right now. You're uh-huh. probably wondering why I'm I'm downloading and checking stuff out, but yeah. it's actually the all 22 of your first career reception. Okay. So would you mind? I'm going to hand it over to you. If you just want to click on it, press the play button. Can you kind of take me through?
3: Gotcha. Um, how it, how
1: everything went down?
3: Yeah. So we knew uh, going into the game that the linebackers would bite heavy on the play fake so uh we had a good play play fake by um mark and demarco and uh i saw the the backers split and come down come downhill, the hill uh went over went underneath the first one over the top the second one and as soon as i turned my head around mark had the ball already out of his hand and uh basically just hit me in stride and uh, uh went up the field i saw miles austin blocking for me on the corner and uh, thought i was going to be able to score saw somebody come to the uh from the right of me and uh just stopped let him run run in front of me and then tried to get in the end zone but uh I wasn't able to you
1: got to the five I was wondering close did you did you think like I should have scored man yeah I
3: mean obviously yeah (laughs) going back and thinking about it I wish I would have and uh always think about things that I could have done you know better next time if I'm ever in that situation again
1: I was surprised that that was your first career reception after everything you did on the field for the team last season I actually felt it was intriguing that you scored a touchdown last season. Mm-hmm. It was on special teams, yep. you had a, a blocked punt return in the season finale against the Giants. I just found it intriguing the fact you scored a touchdown as an off and you were an offensive player yep. before you ever made your first career reception. Yeah. I don't know how many players have done that in history, but I just found it one of those things that's like uh like stats info type things like how many players in NFL history would have done that before? <laughs> but but you've had a nose for the end zone throughout your entire life. Mm-hmm. In fact you had yeah. Was it six touchdowns in a game? Yeah, at the University of Florida, it was five, against Kentucky in two thousand.
3: <laughs> freshman year, yeah, five, Fr- five rushing and one receiving. Uh, so, can you explain what that game was like? Uh, it was wild. Uh, it was it was uh, our first, I think, our first home SEC game of the year. Um, going into the season, it was Urban's last year um, at Florida, but uh, I mean, he he just put me in great positions to score. Um, They're all all my rushing touchdowns were out of the Wildcat. Um, and then my receiving touchdown was close, I think five, five to six yard line. Um, and he, I mean, he just basically called my number every single time. And uh, I think I had five rushes in five touchdowns and two receptions with a touchdown. So it was a good night. So what were all the positions that you played at Florida? I've, I played, I've played every offensive position except for O-line. Obviously. I was about to,
1: yeah. <laughs> about to say, I wasn't, didn't think O-line in there. No, but no, no. So when you came out in the NFL draft, were you thinking to yourself, man, teams are going to look at me and not know what to do with me? Did that thought cross your mind, or did you say to yourself, you know what, I'm, I'm going to find a home, no matter what, what the team, the scheme, whatever is asked of me, I'll figure out a way to make it?
3: It was definitely interesting. Um, the second part of your of your question, yeah, I, I, was, I knew I was just going to try to figure out a way to make it. Um, and then to answer the first part, when I uh, was interviewing agents and trying to figure out who I wanted to go with to represent uh, my family and I, uh, the guy that I ended up going with, one of the best in the business, he straight up told me, he was like, it's going to hurt you that you don't have a position, but our goal isn't to get in the NFL, get drafted and only play a couple years. Our goal is to be in the NFL for a long time. And he said, "Where it's going to hurt you in the draft. It's going to help you, you know, for your career. And that's something that we truly believed in. And uh, I was extremely frustrated for the majority of the draft process. And because knowing that I wasn't, probably gonna get drafted and then ha- draft day, you know seeing all these people go by me who i felt personally you know I, I um had played better in college then um but i mean it all worked out in the end and uh and i'm extremely happy to be here
1: how much did it help the fact that you had you were told up front that you were probably not gonna be a high draft pick
3: i don't know if it helped because you know the uh stubbornness in me you know was like nah man i'm not gonna i'm not gonna listen to you even though you know better than i do <laughs> even though you've been doing this for years you know i don't I still think I'm going to get drafted, and uh, and that's obviously everybody's goal coming out of college, is to get drafted. One one of my uh, athletic dreams, you know, that one of the goals that I've ever that I wanted to have um, go coming out of college.
1: So, why did you select the Philadelphia Eagles after the draft?
3: Um, I, th- I mean, for a lot of reasons. Uh, I think probably the biggest reason was. Uh, I've always been a big fan of Coach Kelly ever since you know he was at Oregon and I was in high school watching him and watching the way that they do things. didn't really get to catch too many games because they're on the, the West Coast and I'm on the East Coast and, and all that. But the games I did get to watch and um, just seeing how his teams played and they're always in the big game and his offense always intrigued me. And uh, I figured that I'm not the typical offensive player, uh, tight end, running back, wide receiver, whatever you want to call me. Um, but he doesn't run a typical NFL offense. So I figured that I would have the best fit here. And uh, I actually really didn't, we didn't even look, my wife and I, um, after after we got all the calls from the teams that were interested, um, we went away from our family because we were at a family reunion and uh, kind of like a family reunion draft party deal. And uh, we went away and prayed about it. And um, we just felt like you know Philly would be the best choice we didn't even look at the roster we didn't you know none of that we just felt like Philly would be in the place to be for us and obviously there's three guys here last year that were at the tight end position and I ended up being the fourth guy so maybe if we would have looked at the roster we might have been scared (laughs) away a little bit but uh yeah in all honesty we didn't even look
1: when did you think Trey that you would make the 53-man roster as a rookie
3: free agent I don't I mean I don't know uh, being the competitor in me, uh, I would like to say I always knew that I would get a shot somewhere. Um, but I don't think anybody as a free agent really knows, especially being a rookie and not knowing how the NFL goes. Um, I don't think anybody really knows that they're gonna make the team until you get that phone call on final cut day, saying that hey, you're you're gonna be on the team or we're excited to have you.
1: So you're a huge part of the prolific special teams a year ago. Mm-hmm. How different was going into your second season, having that experience under your belt? Did you still have that approach of a rookie free agent where, man, I don't know if I'm gonna make this team, or did you have a greater sense of confidence because you knew the offense and you knew what it took to make it in the NFL?
3: Um, I think it's a little bit of a mixture of both. Um, I had a lot of confidence going into this season, um, especially like you were saying, having a great uh, te- a great year last year on special teams, but then I also you know, always, I don't want to be comfortable. I don't want to get comfortable. I always want to find things in my game that I can work on. And um, I mean, to be honest, I was telling myself all training camp, I'm gonna get cut. I'm gonna get cut. I'm gonna get cut. And uh, just having that mindset and and you know, always wanting to put my best foot forward whenever I get the opportunity, you know, helped me um, make it to where I am now.
1: There have been critics who have said that the Eagles' offense has not really adjusted, not really changed throughout the course of the year. But I think seeing you in action against Detroit highlighted some of the way that the offense the offense has changed where there hasn't really been much of a fullback in the past mm-hmm. but you were utilized in that role mm-hmm. in the game against Detroit the it's almost like the you know the versatility that you brought to the table came in handy because the Eagles were able to utilize you in a number of ways against the Lions.
3: Yeah, I mean, we go in every week with new stuff, new stuff in the game plan, uh, just depending on what the other team has shown. I mean, you can't run the same stuff against every team. Some teams are really strong in the run game, you know, so you know that week you're probably not going to be running the same old run schemes that everybody else You're going to try to mix it up on them. And um, So, yeah, I don't know really. Um, too much about i don't really listen to too much what other people on the outside say but i know what we do here and it's uh we, d- we definitely do change things up
1: so you're not the only member of your family of your family who has been in the nfl correct your brother clay yep and my grandfather your grandfather i did not know that though
3: yeah, he play- he ran in the 72 olympics and really? he played i want to say eight years six or eight years in the league really for, new-, for new orleans and san diego
1: impressive yep. and then your brother was with the buffalo Bills. yep and is he, where is he right now? Is he trying to work his way back in, or is he at the point where, you know, if I get a call, great, but if not, I'm ready to uh, to move
3: on? Yeah, he's definitely trying. Uh, he said he was going to take one year, um, which is basically now, and okay. you know, continue to work out, continue to train. Um, I don't know if you've heard much about it, but there's a new league starting up. I don't know exactly what the name of the league is. I've not heard about it. Okay. But there's uh, 10 teams, 10 or 12 teams, and... Uh, they just had a tryout uh, right before Thanksgiving um, down in Florida. It's actually based out of Bradenton, Florida, IMG Academy, if you've, if you've heard of it. Mm-hmm. And so he did that, uh, and they don't know. I don't think they'll figure out if they've made a team or not until the last week of December or the first week of January. But um, it's a it's a spring league, and so he's going to be involved with that, and uh, we'll see where that takes him. The The problem with him is that he didn't have any tape. Uh, he wasn't able to play in any games. He got injured before the Bills played their first preseason game, and uh, they kept him. He was an undrafted free agent. They kept him on the roster for two more weeks after that and uh, still wasn't able to get that, get rid of that injury, and so he wasn't able to play games, so didn't have any tape.
1: Next week, I know obviously you guys are getting ready for the Patriots and you're focusing on that, but next week are you going to be giving your brother a call and being like, all right, what, what do I need to know about Rex Ryan and, and this Bills defense?
3: <laughs> no, honestly, I haven't even – looked past uh new england i didn't even know we played them uh but no i, I mean i might i might give him a call or you know <laughs> hit him up or say something to him gotta get the scouting report yeah you know. bro, let me get something uh
1: your grandfather now is he still alive or did he pass yeah, away no, he's still alive, still alive. Mm-hmm. so have you been able to lean on him for advice uh, did you chat with him going through you know college and the draft process of of what to expect and what's going to take to make it in the nfl yeah
3: uh but everything was a lot different back then you know the games changed the of course draft process the scouting all that stuff has changed you know tremendously but uh yeah, he definitely has always been there for any um any questions that, that i may need he was actually at the thanksgiving game i mean uh the uh, the dallas game when okay we played them at dallas so he got to come to a game this year but uh yeah whenever if i need anything um I'm, i can definitely lean on him
1: So, what position did he play? He played wide receiver. Oh, so it's a similar type situation. So, Mm -hmm. obviously, a lot of similarities there. It's not like he played defense and you guys are going in two different directions there. Yeah. One of the things, Trey, has impressed me quite a lot about you is a lot of guys come into the league and, you know, they're young. They're, you know, they may be in a new city for the first time and they're just trying to get acclimated with the NFL life. But you're already married. You already had, you know, kids. You have two kids Mm -hmm. now. In fact... Uh, where does that maturity come from
3: um i think it uh, i mean in all honesty i think it came from my upbringing um i grew up without a father um my mom was always working you know and uh, i had to be there for my two youngest brothers um i have my brother that played for buffalo and then mm-hmm. i have one who actually lives with me now uh, up here in philly and uh and actually in new jersey but uh yeah so it had to it came from that you know and and having to be um a positive influence for them you know a fatherly influence um for them and uh so that's where i think you know the majority and then also going into high school and uh being a leader i was forced into the, the leadership role on my high school football team and basketball team and um and my coaches did an unbelievable job you know not let me take the shortcuts not let me take the easy way out you know and always keep me accountable and not let me slide uh one bit
1: how important is that leadership quality now with the team Four and seven losers of three straight games. You know, you guys really have to, you know, pull deep here to be able to persevere and turn things around here. How important is it to have those leadership qualities in the locker
3: room? I think it's. I think it's extremely. Uh, I think it's extremely important. I think you know what's more important than being a leader is being a good follower. You know, you don't want to have too many leaders. You don't want to have too many guys that think they know what they're doing, and uh, that's where people start butting heads, and that's where you have division. You know, so. I think in order to be a good leader, you have to be a good follower first, and um, that's really you know what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to be a good follower of Selick because uh, he's obviously the leader of the tight end group, and then uh, ultimately a good follower of Sam or Mark, whoever you know the starting quarterback is, and uh, that's that's really my main focus right now.
1: Are you inspired to be the dad that you are because of the fact that you didn't have one in your 100%, life? Hundred percent.
3: Yeah, definitely. I don't. I don't want my children to have to grow up. The same way I did go through some of the things that I had to go to, go through. And uh, I've always had a huge heart for kids, you know, and uh, so does my wife. and My wife has a huge heart for kids. And that's why, you know, we have the two that we have early. And that's why we love them, you know, unconditionally.
1: I was reading a profile about you. It was on a Birds 24-7 phenomenal job done uh, there. And it was interesting to read that if you go back to your high school, the quarterback there, wh- where's your number? Because he admires you so much. Yeah. How fascinating is that, that, you know, you're 24 years old and you already have, you know, that kind of legacy that you've already put out there?
3: It's special. Um, and, you know, that's that's what people don't understand. I mean, we're all still human, you know, regardless of, you know, DeMarco Murray, he's my locker mate, but he's still a human. You know, he's an unbelievable person. You know, I've got to know him really well these past uh, few weeks, but he's still a human. You know, we're going to make mistakes. But um, the the coolest thing, you know, about that is, you know, like I said, I'm still human um but i'm always trying to put my best foot forward you know and these guys from back home i want to let them know and want them to see that even though we're from a really really small town in florida that 99 of america has never heard of just because you're from a small town just because all the odds are against you you know you still have a chance you can still do whatever you want to do in life but you're gonna it's gonna take a lot of hard work you know and that's the biggest thing that I want these kids back home to understand. And that's why I go home every chance I get. That's why I go to a high school game every year on my bye week You know, that's why I'm always trying to be around my community just to show them and give people hope that, you know, uh, that even though the odds are against you, you still have a chance.
1: What is DeMarco like as a locker mate?
3: Man, he's funny. He's a really good guy. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm really, uh, thankful and appreciative that I'm be able to be a locker mate with him. Um, He's just a, a great guy. He's a really good pro. Um, he's taught me a lot you know, about the game and uh, on and off the field because he does a ton of stuff off the field. And uh, I'm just happy to uh, be next to him.
1: Trey, last question for you. Give us a scouting report of the New England Patriots defense. And what do you guys have to do to come out with the win?
3: Uh, man, they're good. They're really, really good. Uh, have a ton of athletes, uh, a ton of guys that they're a lot bigger at every position than normal NFL teams are. Um, uh, you could say they're a lot more physical too, you know, than normal NFL teams are at every position. But uh, I mean, in all honesty, we've beat ourselves uh, in every game we've played so far. Um, we've done a lot of things uncharacteristic, a lot, of, a lot, of, a lot of things that we haven't done in practice. You know, we're doing on Sundays, and uh, if we can just get out of our own way, you know, it will give us uh, that much more of a shot than than we've had these last couple of weeks.
1: Trey, I hope that when you catch the ball. This Sunday, we'll get in the end zone. <laughs> Thank you. Give a five yards short. Trey Burton, our special guest on this week's edition of the Eagles Entire Podcast.
0: Time to get ready for game day. It's time for enemy intel. All right, it is now time for the most informative segment of the Eagles Insider Podcast. Uh, Fran Duffy, we're talking X's and O's here. Uh, let's talk about the Patriots. Uh, at once, an undefeated team. They go down against Denver last week, but um, let's kind of dig into the X's and O's here. Uh, the big story, obviously, Rob Gronkowski. If he doesn't play, and a lot of different reports are saying different things, but most likely he doesn't play on Sunday. How does that change their offense? What can they do with Scott Chandler?
2: Well, here, here's the thing that I was most interested in when I went back and watched the tape just from Sunday was how they were playing offense before Gronkowski was, you know, got hurt and then ha- afterwards. Now he didn't get hurt until the you know very very late in the game. So, got to see most of what the offense looked like with Gronk and I'm going to be honest, they they moved Chandler all over the place. They're a Big 12 personnel team with two tight ends. They put him out wide as an iso receiver. They put him in the backfield, they line him up in line, they line him up as a wing. Every imaginable place that you could imagine a tight end moving, they put Scott Chandler in those situations, and they fit, they threw – I mean, I, I didn't chart it yet. I'm going to do it for uh, when I do my uh, preview of the Patriots this week because they they threw – I want to say Tom Brady threw seven or eight vertical passes to Scott Chandler while Gronk was still in the game. Uh, so he was very much a featured part of that offense before Gronk got hurt. I would imagine that he will be a featured part of the offense moving forward Remember, Chandler was a pretty, you know, a solid player for Buffalo before right. he arrived in New England, and they are so good at trying to take advantage of player strengths and, uh, you know, and trying to hide their weaknesses. And they're doing a lot of different things with Chandler. They move him all over the formation, like I said. They're willing to take vertical shots with him. I would imagine that would continue. And then they just do such a good job of just finding ways to create one-on-one favor- favorable matchups with their other guys across the formation, whether it's Brandon Bolden in the passing game, which he was very involved on Sunday night. Uh, James White, they try and mix in. Brandon LaFell, they try and create opportunities down the field and on short passes, those drive, short crossers, uh, to try and get the ball in his hands and create opportunities after the catch. So they do a really good job of trying to create one-on-ones for all their guys across the formation. I would expect that to continue on Sunday.
0: And you mentioned how much 12 personnel they like to play, and we've heard Eagles coaches kind of – talk about how this offense could be modeled after that one where they work the inside of the field they're outside receivers over the years they haven't had too many big names obviously they had randy moss you know a few years ago um edelman can kind of work inside and outside lafell's an outside target but they really it seems like their offense is built over the middle of the field and are there that many teams in the nfl who who've shaped their offense that way
2: uh i don't know i mean i'd have to look and see what the list is of all the, the offenses in the league and see who really shapes their offense that way but that is definitely how this one plays you know you look at uh, whether it's amandolo or Julian Edelman um, and obviously when both are healthy one is outside and one's inside but uh, just depending on the play call they just find different ways and there's so many different concepts and I Bill Davis talked about it in his press conference on on Tuesday was that you have a, an offensive scheme that one game they will come out and they will do one thing and then the next week, it will be something completely different. And you always hear the story of Bill Belichick coming in on Monday morning with new players and ripping up the, play, the, the playbook from the previous week and saying that doesn't matter. What we did last week doesn't matter. What we're doing this week against this opponent is what matters, and we're going to try and find ways to attack this opponent. So sometimes you'll see these guys play heavy 22 personnel 23 personnel heavy packages for a majority of the game and try and run the ball and then other times you're going to see them run empty with you know spread formations and uh, personnel groupings to try and spread defenses out that's their mo is that they want to do whatever it takes to try and win the football game And when you have bill belichick trying really just as the mastermind of it and then tom brady uh steering the ship as the executioner on offense uh, you're able to make a good
0: football team we just got to do everything better Got yeah. to block him better throw catch get the ball out on time take it one week at a time get ready for next week
2: he's ridiculous I mean it, it like uh, it's a simple it, approach but it works i I wish that you know it's great when you uh you know when you've got 12 games of tape to look at this team because it's it's uh, you know for my sake I love just going back and watching them the problem is is that there's so many games and I have so you know so little time to go through it that I always feel like I'm missing something. Like, I, I just want to keep watching because it's, it's really, it's just, it's so interesting to watch and see how they're able to construct game plans week in and week out and do things differently uh, and attack teams in so many different ways.
0: You mentioned Tom Brady, and uh, you can't talk about the Patriots without talking about number 12. Obviously, one of the best quarterbacks to ever play, uh, but he gets the ball out so quick. And the Eagles just had trouble against Matthew Stafford when he was getting the ball out quick. How do the Eagles get pressure uh, on Tom Brady this week?
2: Well, you have to you have to win your one on ones, and, and that's what it's going to come down to is because this is, I think that's an area where you can attack the Patriots is on the offensive line. You know they have some young players there. They have some guys that uh, you know have been banged up in the past and are still banged up. Uh, the Brian Storks of the world. Uh, you know and a lot of young guys. Like I said, Shaq Mason, uh, Josh Klein, Trey Jackson, and David Andrews is a younger guy as well. So a lot of young guys playing quality snaps for them along the offensive line uh you can attack them if, if you try and you, you just have to win those one-on-one matchups tom brady's so good at understanding hey look i'm gonna be feeling here heat here the the ball's got to come out quickly uh he's so good at maneuvering inside the pocket and operating with whatever little space that he has making the most of it and being able to deliver the football accurately uh so you really have to be sound in the way that you attack, attack the quarterback and then also you got to be able to cover well on the back end you know if he if he has uh, just a little sliver of space to be able to deliver the ball, he's going to get rid of it. So you have to be sound. Let's
0: uh, change sides here and talk about the the Patriots defense for a second. Uh, obviously the Eagles are going to look to get their running game back in line. Really haven't gotten it going in the last few games. So as they try to get it back in line against the Patriots, uh, that New England defensive front, it seems like they have so many guys that they just interchange in and out. Uh, how's that matchup? How's that play out?
2: You know it's interesting, and you go and we say it with the with the offense and how there's so many interchangeable parts, and how you know one week they can do one thing, and then the next week it's completely different. It's very similar on the defensive side of the ball. You know you look at this front seven, and they they all play any combination of these guys along the front. Uh, and move them all over the different all over the formation, attacking from different angles. You know, Rob Rob Ninkovich on the outside. Chandler Jones is big and he's vers- uh versatile. The rookie first round pick, Malcolm Brown, had probably his best game of the season uh, Sunday night against De- against Denver. was very very disruptive. Dominique Easley is very disruptive as well. Another former first round pick, Akeem Hicks, they got from New Orleans. Geno Grissom, they drafted out of Oklahoma. Uh, he's been f- he's been very effective. Jabal Sheard they got from Cleveland. Another former second round pick who you know didn't really pan out. Completely in Cleveland has been very disruptive for them in the run game. Uh, you know, for New England. And then you look at, at the linebacker level. They've got a bunch of guys that are athletic. They're really good tacklers. You know, they're, they may miss Dante Hightower this week, but Jonathan Freeney is really explosive and play sideline to sideline. Jamie Collins is one of the freakiest athletes at the linebacker position in the entire NFL. Uh, you know, and obviously that's not even talking about Gerard Mayo, the, the middle linebacker, uh, who is an absolute stud as well. So you look at this front seven. They they. Interchange these parts up and down in so many different looks, so many different formations. You may see a four-three over front one look, and then the very next play it might be some, you know, a three-four under. I mean, they just have so many different uh, personnel groupings and different formations, so many different looks. They have a lot of different exotic blitz packages as well. And then in the secondary, you, you look and sometimes they play, they play a lot of nickel, they play a lot of dime, mm-hmm. you know, with five DBs, six DBs. Sometimes they'll play 7 DBs and a dollar defense and all those different combinations of guys that can play corner and safety. Uh, it's impossible to try and, try and even chart it because you're looking at it and you're trying to watch and you're saying, okay, uh, Patrick Chung was in the slot on this play. Now he's playing free safety. But then they moved Malcolm Butler. He was at left corner. Now he's in the slot. And Logan Ryan was at right corner. Now he's at left corner. I mean, they do so many different things uh, that just try and mix, them, mix things up in the secondary. It's a really, really fun group to watch.
0: Fran, if anybody can chart it, it would be you. I have confidence in you. Thank you. Uh, Fran, great stuff as always. Uh, If you guys want to see more from Fran, be sure to check out his Eagle Eye in the Sky columns on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. And now we'll transition into game time.
2: Get out your scorecards. It's game time.
0: All right, gentlemen. The name of today's game is Standing Pat. I have six trivia questions for each one of you. Six for each. Six for each of you guys.
2: Oh, boy. We, and we know that none of them are, are Pat Benatar.
0: Correct. Pat Benatar would would have been the 13th question, uh. and I could only do 12. So, Pat Benatar was the last person to get cut. First one out. Player okay. 54 on the roster had to get sure. down to 53. So, they'll start out a little bit easy, just to get you guys kind of warmed up, and then, you know, the tough stuff is coming afterwards. So, we'll start off with C-Mac. Lovely. C-Mac, this Pat, is a proud father of his son, who has started five games at quarterback for the Vanderbilt Commodores this season.
1: Oh, offensive coordinator Pat Shermer.
0: Correct. C-Mac is on the board.
2: Pat on the back there, C-Mac. Thank so. you.
0: That was the alternate name for this segment. <laughs> not bad. Uh, pat on the back, but I went with standing So pat Kyle
1: has started five
0: games he for the has. Commodores? He nice. has. Fran, next up, your first question. This current Pat was once an Eagle, but before that, he was a Pat. This current Pat? This current Pat is a former Eagle, but before that, he was a Pat. That would be Pat Chung. Patrick Chung is correct. It's
2: <laughs> oh, has A little bit Pat?
0: over the top there. <laughs> oh, good. C-Mac, good. number two for you. Okay. This Downingtown PA native played his college ball locally and has spent parts of five seasons in the NFL oh, with four geez. different teams. Pat Devlin. That is correct.
2: Oh, good one. Good one.
0: C-Mac is two for two. Fran, back to you. This Baseball Hall of Famer put the finishing touches on the 2008 World Series Phillies team.
2: Oh, that would be Pat Gillick.
0: Pat Gillick is correct. You are each two for two.
2: Brilliant.
0: Uh, Nice job with the uh, beginning of this segment. C-Mac, you're up. Okay. C-Mac, this man was originally hired by the Sixers as a trainer with the task of helping the 7'6 Sean Bradley bulk up. Pat Croce. Pat Croce is correct.
1: Excellent. Basically, Basically... Created NovaCare or was instrumental in
0: making NovaCare what it is today? He was a trainer who went on to, you know, have these incredible, uh, you know, rehab and obviously NovaCare. Yeah, and then he was the president of the Sixers for the run to the NBA Finals back in 2001. Fran, next up. This two time World Series champion was the first overall pick in the 1998 MLB draft out of the U. That would be. One,
2: Pat the Bat Barrel.
0: Pat the Bat Barrel is absolutely correct. C-Mac, back to you for question number four. Okay. This person is the all-time winningest coach in NCAA basketball history and has won, count them, eight NCAA Division I National Championships.
1: You got to go to the Summit,
0: Pat Summit. Absolutely correct. That's a good one. C-Mac is four for four. Fran, back to you. I'm getting worried that these were a little too easy, but... (laughs) <laughs> Fran, this Pat, if you had If he
1: had Pat Benatar, I would have lost. So,
0: Well, not if Fran would have got the question because he seemed like True. he really wanted a Pat Benatar <laughs> there. Fran, this Pat, whose legal first name <laughs> is actually George, kicked the game winning field goal against the Cleveland Browns in the swirling winds and snow of Yankee Stadium to send the Giants to the playoffs.
2: Oh, it's Pat Summerall.
0: Pat Summerall Ooh, is correct. Nicely done. Thank you.
2: It's gone!
0: Thank you. You guys are each wow. uh,
2: four for four here. CMAC. This is a good Jeopardy category, by the way.
0: CMAC, this TV personality, once took a spin as a weatherman and was even a military DJ in Vietnam for the Armed Forces Network.
1: Never knew that about Pat Sajak.
0: Pat Sajak is absolutely correct. CMAC, five for five. Frank. Excellent. The 44th overall pick in 2009, this former Heisman finalist never completed a pass in the NFL.
2: That would be the, uh, who the Miami Dolphins were hoping would be the, the new version of the Wildcat. That would be Pat White from West Virginia University. Pat White is very absolutely nice.
0: correct. Five for five. Down to one each, and I think you guys might go undefeated here. You guys have done very well with this. C-Mac, yeah. this seven-time Pro Bowler was also an All-Pro selection in five of his eight NFL seasons. Ooh, let's see. This seven-time Pro Bowler was also an All-Pro selection in five of his eight NFL seasons. I'm going to go Patrick Willis. That is correct. C-Mac has aced it's the done! test. C-Mac goes six for six, so he knows his pats. Fran, it's up to you. Yeah, this this is this make is or break. Huge. This actor, most known for his role as Captain Jean-Luc Picard, was knighted on New Year's Eve of 2010. <laughs> Hands Jeez. are over his head right now. I'll give a play-by-play, Fran. Would you like me to read the question again? Yes, please do. This actor, most known for his role as Captain Jean-Luc Picard, was knighted on New Year's Eve of 2010.
2: Oh my gosh, this is embarrassing. I am having a unbelievable brain fart right now. There's probably a sounder for that.
0: We left that one off the list this week. I'm gonna have to start a shot clock.
2: I know. This I is brutal. See, I can see his I picture, know. but I know, and I'm thinking of the meme. This is unbelievable. Do you
0: know who Cap? what show Captain oh, Jean-Luc Picard course, is from? Of
2: course, Star Trek uh, Generation.
0: Correct. You know his first name. Uh, yes. I'm going to give you a five-second countdown. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Five. Is
2: his first name Pat?
0: Four. Yes. Three. I'm going to lose. Two. And I don't even want to know the answer.
2: Don't even tell me. We're going to end the Can we get the buzzer? With... Can we get the buzzer? We're going to end I'm gonna the I'm going to tell you this because you need to know I'm this. I'm going to pound the table.
0: You need to know this one. That would be Sir Patrick Stewart.
2: Oh. Unbelievable. No good. He missed it. Unbelievable. I really, thought, I really thought you were going to get Ridiculous that oh, me on Twitter. Please. He missed it. Sir Patrick Stewart. He's Unbelievable. Nice,
0: but overall, a really good showing from you guys. Nicely done, gentlemen. C Mac comes away victorious. Oh, God. It's going to so, seem
1: like I, I slipped you a 20 before coming down here. Definitely, Fran had the tougher ones. I would not have gotten somewhere all either.
0: Oh, oh, that was a pretty easy one. I thought Pat Sajak might have tripped you up, but. Um, Nice job to get that one. I thought Pat White and Maeve tripped Fran up, but no NFL draft questions. I so was going to poor planning on um,
1: your part. But
0: cmac <laughs> mac comes away victorious, six to five. So a pat on the back for C-Mac. Nicely done. Good job today, guys. We will transition into uh, our final segment here, mailing it in.
1: Captain incoming message please check your mailbox a new message has
0: arrived and now it's time to hear from you the fans in our segment mailing it in
2: we hear worst voice in every single podcast and I couldn't remember Patrick Stewart's last name embarrassing that, uh, he who's in the sounder
0: when he says "captain" the yes. incoming message, he's talking to he's Patrick talking to, Stewart. He's
2: talking to Patrick Stewart. Unbelievable! <laughs> Unbelievable! <laughs> I am so embarrassed.
0: You're getting mocked by your own podcast here. The, yes. the drops in the podcast are laughing at you,
1: <laughs> teasing you, tantalizing you, knowing
0: Patrick Stewart should have had him.
1: All right, so set out the question just before Chip Kelly's press conference around one p.m. and understanding the temperature of the fan base at the moment. You know, I could have guessed what nine out of ten responses. Would have been, but we got a few good ones. Actually, a couple of ones that were actually quite good. So, gentlemen, for this first one, I'm mailing it in. The first one comes from at Choats1991. Charlie wants to know what's going on with Demarco Murray and will Ryan Matthews be back next week? The easy question, or the easy answer, at least, is with Ryan Matthews. I don't know. Chip Kelly said that on Monday he still hasn't been cleared, and there have been players who have suffered concussions after and have come back. So it's. Scare. It's absolutely scary.
2: I'm <clears throat> not trying to bring up something, but Malcolm played through a game with a concussion one. and played the following week. Now I know yes. the, the protocols and, and stuff of are, course. are different. But,
1: but Bradford's been cleared. Ertz is on track Did to be he cleared.
2: Say, but didn't Chip say also that, that he hadn't gone through it yet this week? I mean, he could come this week and get cleared, right?
1: Yeah, He made it sound like he wasn't close. Really? Yeah, so right. maybe by the time you listen to this on Wednesday, maybe he'll, maybe he'll be back on uh, yeah. the field. With DeMarco, it's been a product of poor offensive line play, of trying to work him into his scheme and adjusting to his skill set. I mean, best answer, it seemed like they were getting into a rhythm when both he and Matthews were complimenting each other mm-hmm. on the field, but where you miss Matthews is on the sweeps, the outside runs that he can get to the edge quicker. You know, Murray's a guy who he needs to get going downhill. He's more of a finisher than, than Matthews, but he needs to get going downhill sooner.
0: Talking about those outside runs, I didn't watch the whole game, but I caught a lot of the ending of the uh, the Patriots-Broncos game from last night. C.J. Anderson had a really nice night against the Pats defense last night, and a lot of his big runs were on those sweep outside plays. That's what the game-winning play was in overtime, where they got him outside. You know, They had the tackle and the tight end pulling out to that side, too, as well. So, I think Ryan Matthews obviously would be a huge asset for the Eagles to get back in this game because I think that's a way that you can attack that Pats defense. But, you know, just getting back to DeMarco Murray, I almost wonder with a guy like him if, you know, maybe he's a little bit more banged up than he might let on. Obviously, you know, new to a team, you just got, you know, a contract, that kind of thing. If maybe he's trying to just, you know, tough it out and, and play through. Because obviously at this point in the season, I don't think anybody is 100% healthy. But, you know, just trying to play through it and play tough and, and that kind of thing. But it also goes back to what you said, C-Mac, about, you know, offensive line plays been up and down trying to fit into the scheme and just the whole offense overall just aside from a few games early in the season just hasn't been able to really click together
1: all right next question comes from at eagles troll a good friend on twitter Boy, are still have to get something in the mail i've not forgotten about that one eagles troll wants to know what does the return of jalen Watkins, fran duffy favorite mean for the secondary pecking order uh, when it comes to Biggers, Rowe, and Rice. I mean, the biggest thing to me is Rowe is going to be your starting corner opposite of Byron Maxwell. Right. You just need another experienced guy in there. Watkins, fourth-round pick, a guy they liked, just didn't make it with the team through train camp. It was with Buffalo, it was with his brother Sammy throughout the course of the season.
2: Maybe. Yeah, and I, I think that really what it comes down to, it'll be interesting to see is on, on Sunday, is, is Jalen Watkins active over Denzel Rice. And then yeah. you know, okay, this is the reason why. They want to they stash Denzel Rice. They don't want him to get scooped up anyway else got to keep him on the active roster he's inactive and you bring in Jalen Watkins because you feel more comfortable at him playing immediately or it could go the other way and we, we could see denzel rice on uh, on sunday so uh we'll get more of an answer on that but the, the good thing about Jalen Watkins is, is we know he can play inside he can play outside and he can play safety so when you have a guy that's got that kind of positional versatility in this defense uh he brings some value
1: It'll be interesting to see how he's progressed throughout the course of the season during his time as Buffalo. He had a great opportunity to, you know, win the nickel job in training camp after yep. Jacory Shepard got hurt. Was not able yeah. to seize the opportunity, and you know, didn't make the final fifty-three. As Fran mentioned, they went with Denzel Rice, a guy who I think you can agree they wouldn't be able to keep on the practice squad. So,
2: yeah, I, I think that certainly is the the reasoning behind it. So now we'll get to see. it'll I'm in, I'm interested to watch him over the next few weeks.
1: All right, last one here comes from. Aaron Kennedy, not our good friend AK who works for the 49ers, but no, different yeah. Aaron Kennedy. Schematic question here. Wants to know, does Chip plan on implementing formations with a quarterback under center using a fullback or a dual halfback backfield less shotgun moving forward.
2: The good thing is Aaron, AK, if I may, AK that they they have been mixing in some of those formations. We've seen over the past few weeks that Trey Burton was in the backfield as a fullback a couple times this past week against Detroit. We've seen it a few times with Zach Ertz in the past as well. I think that they've tried to mix some different things in as they're trying to get the run game back on track. Now, we'll see how much if they, if they try and use it a little bit more, but we've definitely seen more of it over the past few weeks, both under center and with a quote-unquote fullback, whether you know, obviously it's one of our backup tight ends, but We've seen it with Ertz and then last week as well with Trey Burton.
0: Yeah, I think you might see more of it, but the foundations of this offense are built around the shotgun. So I, of course. I think you'll see more of it. I don't think you'll see it every play or every other play, but you'll see more of it.
1: All right, so great stuff from you guys out there, even the ones who are asking uh, where's Chip Kelly going to be at the end of the season.
2: Which we know the answer to that question. Exactly,
1: right here in Philadelphia. Right here in Philly. So that's going to do it for us here on the Eagles insider podcast again if you haven't already subscribed please do so wherever you consume podcasts make sure to like and comment let us know what you want to hear on future editions of the podcast hopefully we're going strong through the month of december and into the new year say the very least i would hope so so for the gentlemen behind the scenes chris stevens and brian thomas for excellent my, job today guys for my co-host Fran duffy and alex smith i'm chris mcpherson thank you very much you have been listening to the eagles insider podcast